Welcome to The Connected Podcast. This is Lydia, Hannah and me, Simon. We are three friends from the UK and beyond discussing how the Bible connects to life as as a team today. Stick around for hilarious banter, Bible talk, topics you want to hear about and people you can relate to and plenty of random shenanigans. I'm getting better at that word, I promise. For real though, we want you to be equipped with biblical truth and boldness to go out into the world and be grounded in your faith. Our good friend Daryl is really busy these days uh, and unfortunately can't be with us again today. Um, But don't worry, he is still there in the background and is tracking uh, a lot of all the social media stuff. So why don't you go and drop him a line there on our socials page and yeah, he'll really appreciate that. And because it is a Friday, we are of course doing a Bible study. So if you've got a Bible uh, or you want to bring up your Bible app on your phone, then go ahead and turn to James chapter 3 and follow along with us as we go through uh, our three questions today uh, and jot down your own observations and notes uh, wherever you want to do that. One other caveat is, I don't know if you've picked it up as I've spoken already, is I am dealing with a slight cold. Um, don't worry, it's not the COVID. It is not the COVID. It is just a cold. It Poor is. Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Um, but we're, we're doing okay. So stick with us. All right, we want to jump in. We have a lot to get to today. So uh, as you will know by now, we have been doing these three questions called the inductive method of studying the Bible. So the first one is... What does it say? Uh, But yes, I just remembered, before we read the passage, we do as well have a observation tip of the week. And this week, Hannah is going to give us our observation tip of the week. So, your observation tip of the week is this. Take special note of word pictures in the Bible. You'll especially see it this week in our passage. So if it helps you, try drawing them out or doodling them. Or if you're not artistic, then have a friend doodle them for you. Um, This doesn't have to be in your actual Bible. We know some people don't like to write in their Bible or your margins aren't very big. But if you have a journaling Bible, those are a great tool for this sort of thing. But you can also do it in a separate journal. That's what I would do a lot of times um, where I would write my Bible study notes or Lydia would sometimes print out a copy of the passage and do something similar. Don't be afraid to be creative in the ways that you take in and interact with God's word. If you decide to do this with our passage this week, then we would love to see your doodles. So feel free to share them with us online, but also don't feel any pressure that you have to doodle when you see word pictures. This is just your observation tip of the week. Thanks, Hannah. That's great. All right, let's jump into the passage. So open your Bible, get your Bible app uh, open, and let's go from James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you uh, should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble uh, in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. 
Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Alright, and we will end there at verse number 12. So there are a number of good questions that we can ask as we go through this first question of what does it say, or the observation part of our Bible study. But this week, for the sake of time, and to show that it's not just a mechanical thing, Uh, when reading the Bible, uh, we're just going to mention some things that popped out to us when we were reading it. Uh, But we do have a full list of questions uh, that are online on our social media, so we encourage you to go through those as well as you're reading the passage. Uh, We know that pre-prepared questions can be helpful, so uh, if you're stuck um, or nothing to stand out to you, so feel free to use those. Uh, But even as you're listening now, as we said, grab a pen and a bit of paper or whatever you're using and jot down uh, any observations that you have uh, as we go through these. But Lydia, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so you may remember one of our observation tips from a few weeks back and we said to circle any transitional words and phrases like for or therefore and but so that kind of thing. Um, So in this passage here I noticed the word for in verse 2 and it seems really important. So that word for makes me think that verse 1 is James's thesis statement. That's his main point that he's trying to get across and the rest of the verses are there to support and back up that statement. So that's something that stood out to me. Something that stood out to me is there are a lot of word pictures, like we said in our observation tip, um, that are in this passage. Now, I counted six. So I've got the horse and the bridle, the ship, the forest fire, tamed animals, fresh and salt water, and fig trees, grapevines, and olive trees or olive vines. Maybe I'm reading that wrong, but I noticed a lot of word pictures in there. Yeah, uh, and there's also uh, a lot of emphasis on the strength of the tongue. That's something that really stood out for me. It can be really destructive. Um, There's a lot of intense language used here. Is that talking about like a real tongue or like our tongues are very strong? Like, Can we do push-ups with our tongues? No, that's that's silly. Well, I mean, Lydia, do you not actually? <laughs> I'm just thinking. Well, first of all, of course, we know that that's it's it's figurative. Okay, 
It's a picture language, ladies. Come on, think this through. Unless we're like dragons and we're spitting fire at each other here. <laughs> and setting, set, as the I'm as these verses sure. says, setting setting forests on fire. <laughs> I'm pretty sure dragons <laughs> their tongues. spit fire out of their tongue. <laughs> I think it's Look, their throat, it, isn't it? It comes out of their mouth, okay? So... <laughs> It obviously touches their tongue. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, true story. Back in the day, I remember hearing this passage as a kid um, and thinking that it was literal and thinking that this meant that like the tongue was the strongest muscle in the human body. And I went around telling people that like, did you know that the tongue is the strongest muscle of the human body? And my mom was like, Lydia, that's not what that means. <laughs> it's a figure of speech. There so. was Lydia thinking she could go out and Oh, I could buy a boat, but I'll just forget about the rudder. I'll just stick my tongue out and direct the ship. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you yeah. were so cool. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, literal thinker as a child I was. Um, so back on track here. Um, if we go back and remember like the different questions that we that we ask um, when we're doing observations, one of those questions is asking, what does the passage say about man? And we can answer that question here um, in James chapter three. This passage tells us that no human being can tame the tongue. And we see in verses eight and two that we all stumble in many ways. So this passage, ta- this passage talks a lot about man's sinfulness. There's also quite a few rhetorical questions used in this passage by James. And I it seems to be that he's using them to try and get us to think that's normally what a rhetorical question is in there for. They're questions that have a pretty obvious answer. Yeah, so those are some of the things that we uh, have observed here. Um, so, but tell us, um, jump on social media at some point and let us know uh, what other things that... Y- popped out for you what other observations that you were able to have uh even pause right now wherever you are and write down those observations okay um and remember again that you can check the full list of questions uh on our social media um if that helps you but let's move on and let's think of our second question we've already looked at what does it say now we want to think about what does it mean We see here that James is specifically talking to those who may be striving or rushing toward the role of a teacher or a pastor or a preacher. And he's saying that those who take that responsibility are taking up a huge responsibility. Words are the main tool of a teacher. And we see in the rest of the passage that words are incredibly powerful. What we say has the power to change lives for good or for bad. There are people out there who claim to be Bible teachers. They claim to be sharing God's word and yet they are ruining lives by preaching lies. This passage says that those who teach will be held to a greater accountability because words have a, or have great power. Don't totally switch off though if you just want to be an electrician or a doctor or an engineer and some other occupation because we'll see in the third segment here soon that this passage applies to all of us because it shows us that our words are powerful they reveal what's in our hearts and they can change lives for good or for bad 
that bit there about our tongues revealing what's in our hearts. I think that's a really important bit that we need to keep in mind as we look at this whole passage. And there's a verse in Matthew that I think helps to shed light on this. It says um, in Matthew 12 and verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In this verse in Matthew, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees and he's saying that the words that you say reveal what's in your heart. And this is coming out here in James as well. We see in verse two, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now we're all sinners and our hearts are full of evil. And because our hearts are full of sin, our speech will also be full of sin. James says, if anybody does not stumble in what he says, we has reached a state of perfection. Now, this is what we call hyperbolic language. And if you're into um, literature or English grammar, you'll know that this means that James is using really big, really exaggerated language to make a point. He is saying that the tongue is wicked because the heart is wicked. And if you can tame your tongue, that means that you can change your heart. And if your heart is changed, then your whole body and your whole life will be changed. But we'll see later in this passage that nobody can tame the tongue because nobody can change the heart. And in comes the word pictures. James is so good about giving us pictures or examples of things to help us understand his points. So if we look at the first two, um, those are really in reference to direction and how our tongues can be so powerful in directing our lives. The first one he gives is a horse and a bit. The bit is the, for those who know nothing about horses, which would have included me uh, about a, until about a year ago, um, the bit is the thing that's in their mouth and it's able to control the whole horse. Um, as I kind of alluded to, I rode a horse for the very first time. At least I'm pretty sure it's the first time. Maybe I did when I was a kid. Um, but this was about a year ago and my friend who has been horse riding her entire life basically it was so patient in teaching me um and is fantastic at it um but it was so nerve-wracking at first to get on this huge animal that could easily do whatever it wants with me on him and yet this small thing that you put in their mouths is used to control them it can point him to the right or to the left or or wherever you want him to go so Something huge can be controlled by something so small. And the same concept again with a ship and a rudder. Now, my dad was in the Navy, so he might be disappointed in me and my knowledge of ships here, but I'm pretty sure most ships um, have a rudder. If you look at sailboats or um, large yachts and things like that, the wind or an engine may be what uh, pushes them in a direction or gives them the the energy to go but the rudder this little flap of material at the back is what points it in the direction it's going to go it directs it so again these two word pictures are helping us to see that something so small uh, like our tongues and what we say has a lot of power in directing our life and verse 5 really sums that up by saying so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things the next two word pictures uh, show the destructiveness of the tongue. That's a big word, but it's it really uh, it's an accurate picture of how dangerous it can be. The first of these is the forest fire. I'm sure few people remember 
the forest fires in Australia in 2019. Unless, of course, you were personally affected by them. Because they got overshadowed so quickly by COVID a few months later. But we hear about massively destructive forest fires all the time in Australia or in the state of California in the United States. Or even just thinking of local fires. I remember, for example, not that long ago, a big forest fire in Newcastle, Northern Ireland, which is where I'm from. Um, and they all, well, I'm not from Newcastle, sorry, quick not from Northern Ireland. Ugh. Anyway, Northern Ireland, small place, even it gets forest fires, that's my point. Um, but they all began from a small spark, okay? None of them started as a big blaze. And yet, for something so small and tiny, how much damage it can cause. But let's think about a real life context. Uh, let's think about sports. Well, I, I I like this example because I've seen this, <laughs> uh, and oftentimes if there's a if there's a big brawl uh, at a football game, uh, the, the same we used to have is when the red mist descended, and everyone just went clean mad. You know that normally started by just someone saying something out of place, or as we would say, mouthing off. Okay, just just being just not thinking about what they're saying, saying rude things, or saying things with the purpose to try and provoke someone on the other team. And just something like that, a couple of words, and then all of a sudden, it's there's this huge brawl. So we can see, and I'm sure you can think of examples as well, whether it's in sports or in some other way, that you know, just by saying one little thing, it can backfire really, really fast and, and cause massive issues the other thing we want to think about here is the tamed animals that it talks about so every kind of beast can be tamed that's what the verse says think of dogs think of sea world even bumblebees can be pets it's true why would you ever want a bumblebee to be a pet i anyway. want a bumblebee i know there's a video on facebook and there's this woman who has a pet bumblebee it's so, so cute funny. and fuzzy Aww. It's cute. It's cute, Simon. Daryl, come back soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. um, So, maybe you want a pet bumblebee. That's fine. Um, But all these things, the point is, isn't it? That is actually amazing, to be fair, that you can tame a bumblebee. I think that is pretty cool. And we can tame all these animals. Or they can be trained to do amazing things. Um, Obviously, this can be abused as well. So, we're not talking about animal rights here. Um, But he's... Paul here is show or Paul. Why am I saying Paul? James, <laughs> James is showing us that he can tame, that we can tame so many things, and yet no one, no one has ever managed to tame their tongue to a hundred percent to bring their words under control. You can look at your own life to even see this. And if we think back to that verse in Matthew, that our hearts reveal, sorry, that our tongues reveal what's in our hearts, um. Verse 8, we see a description of the tongue, and really, it's a description of our heart. It says that they are restless evil. They are full of deadly poison. Now, if you have a couple minutes, go and look at Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, for a very detailed description of the wickedness of our hearts when they are controlled by sin. And you'll even see that there's some language in there that talks about our speech, when it talks about how evil our hearts are. Our words can be unintentionally hurtful, like we can say things accidentally, we don't mean to hurt other people, but also they can be, we can be really intentionally cruel with our words. And a big way this is seen today is through bullying. I don't know if you ever experienced bullying before. I did a wee bit when I was in school, 
But the things that I remember the most from those things are the words, the cruel words that were said to me and that were said about me. They really, really stick with you because words are really, really powerful. And verse nine here, really, it, it brings it home. It says, with our tongues, we can both bless God and curse people who are made in his image. So think for a second about how people were made to show the glory of God. And we can bless God and worship him, but then turn around and curse and insult the people who also show God's glory simply because they are human beings. Think about on social media. You often think nothing of what we say online. And it could even be in the defense of something good. Yet what we are saying is contradictory. So if you're standing up as a Christian for something pro-life, for something good that we know that God would, would be for, but you're standing up for Christian values by tearing down another person, then that's not okay because you are cursing people who are made in the image of God. You have not mastered your tongue if you are tearing down another person, no matter who that person is or what that person believes. You are not reflecting Christ. Another example is if you go to church on Sunday and you pray and you worship and you glorify God with your mouth, but then on Monday you go to school and you're a completely different person and your words are being used to tear down or say things that are not glorifying to God. That's that's not a good thing. James says in verse 10, my brothers, these things are ought not to be so. And that brings us to our final two word pictures here that really just make us think again about our hearts. And even what we talked about in chapter two, if you think to previous episodes here about James, about how our words and our actions as Christians must go together. So he asks those two rhetorical questions. He says, can a, a fresh can fresh water bring forth salt water or can an olive vine produce grapes or grapes produce figs I'm paraphrasing obviously here but he's asking these questions that are duh questions it's not really something that's rocket science here the answers are very obvious but they're there to kind of sum up what the previous illustrations showed us the tongue or our words are so powerful and everyone struggles with it. But if you are a believer, you're someone who thinks of themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, then your words and your heart should be consistent. You can't at the same time be saying that you are a follower of Jesus and yet also at the same time consistently tearing people down with your words or using words that do not honor God. And this is either online or in person. They both count. So let's see how this kind of plays out in our life in our next section. What does it mean? What is our application for this week on this? Yeah, um, so yeah, we're, let's think about our third question. So what is God saying to me, okay? And as Hannah said there, let's think about the application. And always remember, by the way, uh, wherever you're listening to this, this is the most important bit is the application, okay? We need to understand how this applies to our lives. There's a quote from Warren Wearsby, and he says the following. I thought it was really helpful as we've been thinking about this. Warren Wearsby says, When Jesus Christ is the Lord of the heart, then he is the Lord of the lips too. Uh, and I think if we were to boil it all down, 
uh, it would be to this. What you say comes from what's in your heart. And as your heart uh, is controlled by Christ, your speech will be controlled by him too. Okay, and I think that's really, really helpful. Thinking back to the verses about salt water and fresh water, the grapevine and the figs, does this mean that if you struggle uh, with words, or if I struggle with my words, that I'm not controlled by Christ um, and therefore I'm not a Christian? Well, well, does it? I think this is one place that uh, um, I really appreciated what my dad taught me as a teenager. I mean, there were other, that sounds bad. There were lots of places that I appreciated what my dad taught me as a teenager. <laughs> I'm glad your dad was useful to you in some ways. Just one way, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this one thing stuck out to me this week. Um, and that was when I was a teenager, I would have questions like this all the time um, about different things I would struggle with. And he would always remind me that, Hannah, the struggle is a good sign about what's going on in your heart. If you don't struggle with your words, meaning you don't really care about what you say, and even the teaching that we've read from the Bible today is just kind of like, nah. It doesn't really bother me what I say or what I don't. But you at the same time call yourself a follower of Jesus or a Christian, then James is saying, hang on here. You can't be both. You can't have both of these things going on in your life as a Christian. Yeah, that's a really uh, helpful illustration. Uh, good job, Roger, there. And, uh, you know, passing that on to your daughter. That was excellent. Uh, <laughs> no that is really helpful so if you're a christian okay um your life should reflect the desire to know god more and to live for him and james here is making a bigger point again if you've been changed by christ through salvation it will be evident in your life but it's not calling for perfection the other verses make that pretty clear that nobody has yet mastered uh controlling what they say it's, uh, it's a call to grow in holiness, to want to use our words carefully and to build uh, and for building up and uh, a reminder that we need the Lord's help. We can change what we say to a certain degree, but only God can change our heart. So what really does this look like? What does it look like for God to change our heart? What does it look like for us to rely on God to help us change our speech, to change what's happening um, in our mouths and in our hearts? Practically speaking, what does this look like? Um, Galatians 5 and verse 16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if we walk by the Spirit, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us moment by moment, then we will not sin. We won't gratify the desires of the flesh. But again, what does this mean? So something really practical for me that I think about when I am tempted to use my words in a way that is not godly. Maybe I'm getting into a conversation that I know is going to be hard or a conversation is escalating from a discussion into an argument. Um, in those moments, I need to pause and I need to acknowledge that God is with me. Just acknowledging the presence of God in my life can help me then to submit my mouth and submit my heart to him um, so that I don't say the things that I know I'm going to regret saying. Another thing to think about is just in your everyday life, who influences you? Who are you being most influenced by? The things 
it really does matter and, and it reflects in the things that you say. Now think about it for a second. If you're saying, I want my mouth and my words to reflect God and yet all day long you're watching TikTokers and influencers and YouTubers whose words are not reflecting Christ, then that's not congruent. It doesn't it doesn't match up. But Psalm 119, one sorry, sorry, Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Depending on the Holy Spirit for your speech means spending time with the Lord and in his word, not just reading it, but thinking about it, memorizing it, mulling it over, asking God to use his word to change your heart and your life. Now, this doesn't mean you have to go and delete Netflix and TikTok and YouTube and all of that. And all you ever do is spend time reading your Bible. But maybe start small. Think about if there's one person you follow who you know is not helping you think about and say the things that are godly. Maybe unfollow them and spend the time that you would use watching them to read the Bible or memorize his word. And continue to ask God to change your heart, to desire him more and more. Another practical thing um, that can be helpful when it comes to learning to depend upon God, upon the Holy Spirit to change your heart, is something that God has given us as believers, and that's each other, that we're all part of his body, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, as the Bible tells us. And he tells us to confess our sins to each other. We can give you a verse for this if you wanted. Um, just send us a wee text. But it's not talking about in the context of like a priest so you can be forgiven by God. But it's rather talking about for accountability and humility because it reminds us that we're all in the same boat. We all struggle with these different things. So if you are struggling with your words and honoring God with them, find a friend who can help you with that. We would suggest a Christian friend because obviously you're both going to be wanting the same things with that. Um, one example is this. I have a friend and we both know that with each other, we can tend to be gossipers. And so we'll both regularly ask each other at the beginning of a conversation, hey, I've got something in my mind right now and... I know I could easily turn this into gossip, so please stop me if it starts to even smell like that. Um, and, and that's something that's been really helpful to both me and her. Or maybe you know that you tend to swear in your conversations. Again, find a Christian friend who can help you with that, who will ask you about that or call you out on it in a loving way when you do struggle with it. Or another place thinking back to verse one, when it's talking about being teachers. And if we think about that kind of influencer type thing, that's so big right now. If you're wanting to be an influence for Christ on social media, or even a leader and maybe your youth or sports team, find an older, wiser friend who can listen to the content you're putting out there or what you're wanting to share and that, and ask them to let you know if there's anything that doesn't add up or isn't correct that humility of wanting your words to honor God in all things. And that can be really helpful to have a friend for accountability. Yeah, that's all really helpful. And we've been mentioning the heart uh, throughout this whole episode. Uh, and I hope we've made it clear that the root issue here is the heart. It's about who we are more than what we say. Because the things we say will result from who we are, from what is in our hearts. I think a great way to end this episode is with the words of Psalm 19 verse 14. 
This can be a prayer for us and for you today. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, we really hope you have enjoyed this episode. We have covered a lot there, uh, so thank you for sticking with us. And thanks again for listening to The Connected Podcast. Uh, we want you to go now and study the Bible on your own. Uh, so go ahead and read James chapter 4, uh, and we'll be thinking about that uh, the next time we come back, uh, next Friday. And try using the three questions we looked at today as you study. Uh, then connect with us and what you're learning and how you're using the inductive method on our social media page. We hope you enjoyed joining us for this week's episode. Tune in next time. We'll be dropping new episodes every Monday and Friday on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And let us know if there's any other platforms where you'd want to see us. Don't forget to connect with us on uh, social media using the at connected.podcast. It's at connected.podcast. The Connected Podcast is brought to you by Child Evangelism Fellowship of Britain. Though our opinions are our own and don't necessarily represent the organization or any others we may mention. That's a wrap and we will see you on the next one.